me tell you a leadership story this morning. Second Kings chapter five. Now Naaman was a commander. He was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. So this guy Naaman, he's, he's like a hero. People tell stories about him. He's strong. People look, they look up to him. And that's how the story sets up. This is an amazing guy. This is an amazing military leader. But he's got a problem. He has leprosy. He has a disease that is debilitating. It's tearing him down. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. So she was the servant to, to their family. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So then, it's not written here, but it's between the lines, his wife goes to her husband and she says, this is what our servant girl said. Why don't you go? Why don't you try this? We need someone to help you. Naaman went to his master. So he goes to the king and told him what the girl from Israel had said. So he, as a great military leader, knows that he needs he needs help. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he says, I'll make a smooth political move. I'll, I'll make this happen. That's what, that's what I do. I'm the king. I make things happen. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, which was not very much money. Maybe that was just for gratuities along the way. 6,000 shekels of gold, which is about a quarter of a million dollars in, in today's monetary translation, and 10 sets of clothing. I do not know what the 10 sets of clothing were for. Maybe you, you fill up your, your, your camel with water. You go, hey, here's a set of clothes. Thanks a lot for, for taking care of my camel. I don't know. With this letter, I am sending, although if somebody wants to give Adam a new pair of pants, you can do that right after the service. With I didn't know how that was going to fit in, but it came right into the scripture. It just fit right there. Okay, everybody who likes Adam's pants, give them. Okay, so somehow we have to get that out of the tape, though, somehow. With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. It's not a long letter. Probably puts a seal on it. It's short, kind of like a, a tweet. You can only have 144 characters. Just tweet it out there. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, so there's sort of like a fast forward. The king's got the letter. He reads the letter. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, 
am I God? He's having a meltdown. Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See, see how he's, how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? He gets all politically crazy. He must have been having a really bad day before that. And this just was the, the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. He just falls apart on this. There's always a grapevine. There's always been a, a grapevine. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, in other words, had, had a meltdown, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? It's not a complicated message. Why'd you have a meltdown? What's all the drama about? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Elisha steps up to lead. That's what he does. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Elisha's messenger brings this, this word. Naaman, come to the river. It's time, time to come to the river. But watch what happens. And, and you, could, you could feel the tension building already. But Naaman went away angry. Why is he going away angry? But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfar the, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Isn't the Mississippi better? He's saying, isn't the Hudson River better? He's, he's having his own little leadership meltdown here. He wanted, the, he wanted the real deal. He wanted hand waving and, and magic words and, and all this stuff. He's, he's not going to do this. Couldn't, couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Meltdown number two. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some, some great thing, would you not have done it? What, what would be a, a great thing? You know, go climb a mountain, wait for a rainstorm in the middle of thunder and lightning on the mountain as the rain cleanses your body, you will be healed. I don't know. But if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Now, did the, did the servants have a problem with the fact that Elisha didn't come out himself? Mm -mm. No, they get the servant deal. You know, he sent somebody to bring the message. That's, that's how it works sometimes. So Naaman composes himself. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him. Now he is 
face to face. Now they are looking at each other. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. Let me give you a gift. The prophet answered, or Elisha answered, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Elisha is such a great example of, of servant leadership. I serve God. This is what God asked me to do. So I don't, I don't need a gift. This is what God asked me to do. I do what God has asked me to do. Now I want to give you a Bible quiz. You read the story with me. Bible quiz, one question. Who in the story exercised leadership that made Naaman's life better? Who in the story exercised leadership that made Naaman's life better? Think about it. Think. Now, if you said Elisha, well, that's an okay answer. Not the answer I'm looking for. Here's, here's the answer that just jumped off the pages of the Bible to me. Here's the answer God asked me to give to you today. Who in the story exercised leadership that made Naaman's life better? It was Naaman's wife's servant girl and the attendants who went with him to Israel. It was possibly the least expected of all the characters in this story. You got two kings. You got a prophet. You got a, an amazing superhero military leader. Who are the real heroes in this story? Real hero is a soccer mom who raised tens of thousands of dollars so that kids in Africa could have water. And, and she was just challenged to, to lead where she was, out on a soccer field with kids. The real heroes in this story are invisible. You, you, you almost miss them. It was the young girl who said, there's got to be something. She's thinking. How can I help? What can I do? There's, there's this prophet in, in Israel. He can, I think this will do what needs to, to happen here. Let me jump in. And she jumps in to the middle of this gigantic military system, this gigantic kingdom. She's just a servant. But she jumps in. And then when Naaman has a meltdown... Can the king help him then? Mm -mm. Can Elisha help him then? Mm -mm. He's in a rage. Who steps up to lead where they are? His servants, his attendants. Look, they, they even give him like a, a little parable. If the prophet said, go do this, and it was really like magical and special, wouldn't you have done it? Well, he said, go. What do you got to lose? If they don't step in, he's, he's back home just stewing in his mind why this prophet didn't really help him. The action they took thousands of years ago was described in 
one of the most amazing moments I ever had at the summit. Sometimes my amazing moments come in these just little sound bites. And so Cory Booker, a couple years ago, was telling a story about how he was just entrenched in the middle of a difficult situation, entrenched in Newark, New Jersey, trying to figure out what to do in the midst of tragedy and political bantering. And this woman comes to him and they have this conversation and this changed everything. And she just looks at me with those eyes that seem to just pierce into the soul of my being and scramble it up a little bit. And when I'm finished, she goes, Corey. I said, yeah. And then she spoke softer, knowing that I tried to lean in here, what she had to say. She's like, I know what you should do. And I almost felt relieved because this woman was a font of wisdom in my life. And I said, yes, what should I do? And she leaned back. She says, yep, I know exactly what you should do. And I said, uh, okay, tell me. Uh-huh. I know what you should do. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't have time for this, Ms. Jones. Tell me what I should do. And she goes, you should do something. <laughs> and I was so angry. Something, something. Mayor had to do something. In both cases, in this biblical story, the young girl and the attendants realized they had to do something. See, that's the whole point of the story. People that you never expect did something and something happened. That's leadership. That's leading where you are. They weren't kings. They didn't have any political power. They couldn't pull a miracle out of their back pocket. They just knew they had to do something. And that's where we all live. That's why we can all lead where we are. As I told you on Easter, there are only two choices, to be less or to be more. With all my heart, I want you to be more. The Leadership Summit is one of the easiest ways to become more in a 48-hour time slot. I want you to be there on August 8th and 9th. August 8th and 9th seems a long ways away. It's 116 days away. It's like a third of a year. It seems like it's, a, it's way out there, but I know something. I know something about my life, which helps me to know something about your life. If I don't put those dates down right now, they'll just come and go. If I don't circle those dates right now or put them in a computer or do something, write them down on my desk. It's just going to go away so fast. And we have never done this before in our 20 years of ministry. Said in April, you got to be there in August. We've said it in June. We've said it in July a lot. Don't miss this. This is what changes us. It's not, it's not just changing you, it's changing me, it's changing us. It gives us things to think about together, it gives us challenges to do together. This is worth two days of your life. Put it into your life right now. Decide you're gonna be there. It'll cost you two days of your life. If you can't 
afford the registration, which is minuscule compared to leadership education around the world. It costs you 20 times more to do something like this in New York City. It costs five and 10 times more sometimes to do this in, in corporate America. We get the best deal in North America because we are satellite host sites. And, and we connect to this as heart to heart with the people at Willow Creek and the people all around the world. Cities around the world are clamoring to have this happen in their city. It's in Africa, it's in Australia, it's in Russia, it's all over Europe. People need transformation and this is two days of life transformation. If you can't go or you can't afford to go, you see me, I will make it happen. I'm not sure how I'm going to make it happen, but I promise you, I will make it happen. I will do something to get you there. I will. I promise you. So don't let a registration fee stand in your way. Just mark it down. Get there. I want to fill this place. I want to see more Spring Branch people here this year than ever before. That's my goal. You need to be more. God needs you to be more. Your job needs you to be more. Your family needs you to be more. Your church needs you to be more. And I want you to be more. There are only two choices. Only two choices. It's time to lead where you are, wherever you are. It's time to come to the river. Dear Heavenly Father, it seems like we're asking something that's so far out right now. Two days in August. Heavenly Father, I know because of all the summits past that you will show up on those two days and speak to my heart. You'll speak into the heart of each person who comes. You'll help them to grow. You will help them to be more not less. You will stretch them, grow them, challenge them. You will give them a banner called hope to run with through their lives. You will give them something tangible to take into a board meeting, into a family meeting, into a time of prayer. Father, thanks for allowing us to serve all the churches that we get to serve through the Leadership Summit for the impact it has in the world. Father, help us to be more. In Jesus' name.